Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for an opportunity to come before your holy word. We pray that your word will minister to us in spirit and in truth. Thank you that as we, we, we hear today's instructions inspired by the Holy Spirit, may we be doers of it in Jesus' name. Amen. So in light of our yearly theme, which is knowing Jesus, it's very prudent for us to really talk about this series that's how to read and study the Bible. And uh, we talked about deception. It can be external or internal. You know, so mo- most times when we are looking at deception, we always focus on external indicators or external sources. We are looking at false teachers with false teachings and in a sense false books you know false writings and that stuff all that is true beware of that but one of the ways you can really be deceived is how you read the bible your reading of the bible can contribute to your deception and we saw that in luke chapter 10 verse 25 to 37 now when i say that try and understand what i am also not saying did you get me so i'm not i am also not saying when you read the bible you will fall into deception that's not what i'm saying actually reading the bible accurately reading the bible correctly will deliver you out of the snare of deception but reading it carelessly can lead you into deception do you understand and we looked at luke chapter 10 verse 25 to 37 that's a typical example talks to us about a lawyer and i explained to you who a lawyer was in that context a lawyer is not what we all know today right a lawyer those days meant you dealt with the law the first five books of the bible and he was deceived even though he read the bible he came to jesus and he asked him a question like teacher how will i inherit eternal life and jesus asked him only two questions that's very powerful he says what is written in the law it's a bit offensive to ask a teacher that a lawyer someone who is well vexed in the law like genesis to deuteronomy and those days you know they memorized it they committed it to memory they could recite it so it's not like just like they read it or paraphrase it verbatim that's what it took to become a lawyer so you've got to have some brain you know Maybe, if, if, thank God that uh, those days, uh, if I was there, I probably would not have qualified to be a lawyer. I don't know. I'm not that smart enough to memorize too many things like that. But that was, that was being a lawyer. And Jesus asked him, what is written in the law? Of course, the lawyer will know what is written. You will know. But I like the second question. What is your reading of it? What is your reading of it? So, (laughs) Jesus could have phrased the second question. How does it read? What is the reading of it? See, he could have asked that question. How does it read? Or, what is the reading of it? But he asked, what is your reading of it? So, it goes here to really explain how we understand the Bible. Our understanding of the scripture, it it will... affect our application or in a sense misapplication so we realize that this lawyer even though he he committed the scriptures to memory he still had hate he didn't love a samaritan and probably when he read the scripture and when he saw the word love your neighbor as yourself he just thought of jew but jesus came to shatter those uh, lenses of his understanding and say neighbor is bigger than just a Jewish man Samaritan those you even hate they are also your neighbors so from that we really learned two, two types of readers here we learned the first type of reader reads their own meaning into scripture they normally rely on the understanding of the mind and cherry pick verses and that could be very dangerous Amen. That was sometimes preachers, we are fond of doing that. We just cherry pick a verse and then we, we, we run with it. And then 
it, it could be wrong <laughs> amen so we, we shouldn't do that so that that's the the first kind of reader the second type of reader is one who lets the scripture interpret scripture and normally they rely on the spirit's guidance teaching and instruction and they are also faithful to the integrity of the scriptures and that's where we talked about context and pretext and post-text amen and an example of that was jesus the bible lets us know that in beginning at moses and the prophets he expounded to them all the scriptures and the, the things concerning himself and when you look at the word expound it's very interesting it means to stick close that means jesus stuck close to the scriptures as as a pastor uh, who who preaches regularly that is my model whenever i i get the opportunity to minister to god's people i always want to stick close to the scriptures just like jesus he expounded that that's what it means to expound the scriptures that means when Jesus was explaining the scriptures, he did not really use fanciful allegories or any swelling words. He just let scripture interpret scripture. And that's how you, you bring understanding. And with that said, we realize that when we read the Bible, the end goal, just like one of the contributors said, is to be transformed into the image of his son, Jesus. That's why we read the Bible. The Bible is not for anything else than for that. Amen. So we say that when we approach the Bible from an unhealthy posture, we really miss the forest for the trees. We will not experience the benefits of the word, which led us to read James chapter 1, verse 21 to 25. And the Bible lets us know that we should receive with meekness the word of God. When you are coming to when you are coming, don't to receive the word with meekness means. Drop every preconceived idea you have and then empty yourself and then receive the word. That's meekness right there. So don't have an idea as I'm reading. This is what it means. Always come with, fill my cup, Lord, and let, and let God speak to you. Amen. So we, we learned about that. And then I like something in James 1, 25. The Bible says that this one will be blessed in what he does. Who is this one? The one who reads the word of God applies the word of God. He will be blessed in what he does. And then we went on to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6 to 7, where it talks about the hardworking farmer has to be the first particle of the crops. So before a farmer will pour his crops on the open market, he first of all has to taste of the crops. Christians, we are advocated to share the word. Before we do that, we have to be beneficiaries of the word first before we share it. It makes our witness effective and it makes our witness potent. Amen. And I think what we ended off was talking about the author of the scripture, who is the Holy Spirit. It's key. You have to know the author of the scripture. And I'd like us to read that scripture again. So let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, and start off from here. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. I don't know, but I really felt like I had to do a PowerPoint, but uh, I just left it. So maybe, I don't know. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Other versions say all scripture is spirit-breathed. Some versions use all scripture is given by the breath of God. So they are all the same. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and structure righteousness. So my key word there is who the source of the scriptures are. And that's the Holy Spirit. So yeah, you see Paul writing an epistle to the Thessalonians. That was the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul. You see Daniel, who has a book credited to his name. That was the Holy Spirit speaking through Daniel. You see Moses writing about writing on the book of Leviticus. That was the Holy Spirit speaking through Moses. So the express author of the scriptures is the Holy Spirit. I think it's very important for us that 
this book that we will take to read, we, we have to know the authors. Amen. It said that there are 40 authors. But all the 40 authors, they were directly influenced by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So it's not Moses, it's not Paul, it's not Luke, it's not John. But it's the Holy Spirit availing himself through these effluent vessels. Amen. Because, mind you, when you fail to realize and recognize the author of the scriptures, who is, who is the Holy Spirit, you read the scriptures with a traditional mindset, which can lead you into error. So go with me to Mark chapter 7, verse 13. And that's why it's so important for us to know who the author of the scriptures is. Because when we don't do that, we, we end in error easily. I think for me, as I'm studying this myself, I realize how easy it is to fall into deception and error. Real easy, like super, super easy. It's not hard at all. So it really makes me sober. Amen. I read, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do so you know who jesus is addressing his audience was the sadducees they have made the word of god of no effect because of tradition so when you don't understand that it's the holy spirit that is going to breathe upon the scriptures for me to get understanding for me to get clarity for me to get revelation for me to get inspiration you read it with a traditional mindset. And when you read it with a traditional mindset, it is the beginning of your downfall. That is why there are some people who can read the Bible and yet still they are deceived. Matthew chapter 22, verse 33. Take note of this particular scripture. The same day, the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to him and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies having no children. Now, I want you to know that these people, they were not casual readers of the Bible. They were devout readers of the Bible. So you have to get. It's not like some of today's Christians, you know, they were devout readers of the Bible. Like, for real, for real, their job was to read and study the Bible. Now, they came to Jesus and they said there is no resurrection, which is not true. But if you really read the Bible, the Bible really makes a case for resurrection. It prophesied about resurrection. These Sadducees, one of the books they believed was the Psalms. And if they were really reading the Psalms carefully, the Psalms prophesied about resurrection. Amen. Psalm 16 is a typical example. So that was a lie right there. Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, the third, even to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. Do you know, this is what they were thinking about. Seven brothers, you know, they, 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 because according to the law of Moses, when one dies, like you, someone is married and then a brother dies, the next brother could marry. That was permitted under the law. So now these Pharisees are making the case that now, let's say they had, the, the, the deceased has seven brothers and all of them married them. And now we enter into the afterlife. Whose spouse is that? Since all seven have married her. You know, so that's the question that they had. Jesus answered and said to them, These were Bible readers. You are mistaken. King James Version says, You do err. You are in error. 
you are in error. You know not the scriptures nor the power of God. For the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at the teaching. You see, these people read the Bible, but they still didn't know the Bible because they hadn't experienced the power of the word. You know, there, one thing you have to understand is that this word doesn't just introduce you to Christ. It also has a certain power. And what is the power? The power to change your traditional mindsets to becoming a renewed mind. See, this people, this people read the Bible, but they didn't experience renewal of mind. You see, it is when the believer experiences a renewed mind that now turns to the total transformation of the whole man. These people could not experience that. To him though, it's very sad that you can read the Bible, but you will never experience the power of God, which will renew your mind, which will transform you. Like I always tell you this story about a teacher I had who taught me Bible knowledge. Knew the scriptures, could teach it great, give the historical context and everything. But it didn't change him. It didn't change him. It didn't change him. He didn't even believe in it. The only reason why he taught it was because he was looking for a job. You know, like, I've, I've looked for a job. I'm a university graduate. And then they said I should teach. And then the course they gave to me to teach is Bible knowledge. So that, that's it. Oh, he read it, taught it ex- excellently. I did not experience the power of it. And that's similar to what the Sadducees experienced. They read the Bible, yet Jesus said, you are mistaken, you are in error. Because you read the Bible with a traditional mindset, which has made the word of no effect. So it's very important for us to appreciate the ministry of the Holy Spirit and appreciate his authorship when we are reading this Bible. Because it's only true that that's we will, we will experience a renewed mindset and traditions and barriers and schisms that we have in our minds will be broken. So a traditional mindset robs you of a renewed mind, which will lead to transformation. So it's one of the reasons why there are many people who can take the Bible and yet they are not experiencing the transformative effect of the word because they have... A traditional mindset. When you have a traditional mindset, you close yourself up to the renewing power of the word of God, which will affect your mind. Amen. Read as the readers, we read as um, scriptures to encounter Jesus. These people didn't experience that. Look at John chapter 5, verse 39. And I think we have to hammer on this point several times. We read the scriptures to encounter Jesus. We read the scriptures to meet Jesus. We read the scriptures to know Jesus. In our year of knowing Christ, Bible reading, Bible meditation should be of paramount importance if you really want to know who Christ is. If you want to get an accurate picture, a clear representation of who Jesus is, the Bible. Amen. John chapter 5, verse 39 to 40. John chapter 5, verse 39 to 40. And I read, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. So, who is Jesus addressing again? Jesus is addressing devout Bible readers. Professional Bible readers, because that was their profession. They were professional Bible readers. These were not amateurs. And Jesus is saying that you believe in the concept of eternal life. But the source of eternal life is not from the scriptures. The source of eternal life is from me. 
So they believed in the concept of eternal life, but they didn't believe that it was going to come from Jesus. They missed the point. And Jesus says that the scriptures that you are reading, searching for eternal life, these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. See, so when we read the scriptures, we encounter Jesus, and through Jesus, we have life. So reading the scriptures brings life. If you want to encounter Jesus this year or know more about him, you have to take what Jesus says. says, these are they which testify of me. This is what will help us to have an accurate representation of who Christ truly is in our lives. Amen. Sometimes many people have gone to wrong sources of who Jesus is. You know, sometimes you just want some of these biblical movies and bibli- and you know, with these biblical themes, they don't even get the story right. <laughs> and if and if that is your 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 avenue through which you know who Jesus is, you'll be severely mistaken. Amen. Sometimes I don't really like watching too many of these biblical theme movies because my lenses are on. Like that's error, that's error. But I, I don't really enjoy the movie. And movie for me is a time of relaxation. I don't need to think. That's why I'm watching a movie. I watch a movie not to think. That's why I like action movies. I can't stand suspense and thriller and you know you've killed somebody. Let's solve. What are we solving? Just kill the people and blast the place and let me be happy. That's all I need. Amen. That's all I need. <laughs> so that's it. Right. So Jesus. Amen. If we want to understand who Jesus is, this is it. Don't look at any any other source to find out who Jesus is. This is where you can get who Jesus is, the Bible. Amen. So now let me talk about some things to be mindful of when you read the Bible. Amen. And then we'll wrap it up here. So some things to be mindful of when reading the Bible. You have to be mindful of the major covenants of the Bible to understand it. The major covenants. You know, there are many covenants in the Bible, by the way. Um, I think the first major covenant you see in the Bible is Noah. God made a covenant with Noah and destroyed the earth again. That, that's a covenant. Uh, God made a covenant with Abraham. He said, in you shall all nations of the earth be blessed. In blessing I'll bless you. Anybody who curses you, I curse. Anybody who bless you, we bless. Be a family nations. That, that's a covenant there. So when you read the scriptures, you see many covenants. But when I'm talking about the major covenants, I'm talking about the old and the new. It's very important. You have to be very mindful of that. Because you are not mindful of these two covenants. You will not understand the Bible very well. Amen. Sometimes I like to listen to some of these grace preachers and these New Testament reality teachers. And and sometimes... um, it can be a bit wrong. Like, for example, I heard a man of God saying that he doesn't read the Old Testament. All that he reads is Acts to Revelation. That's it. I've heard, I've heard him saying it not more than once. Acts to Revelation. So he starts his Bible reading from Acts, Revelation. When he finishes, Acts, Revelation. Acts, Revelation. Acts to Revelation. I'm sorry, not Acts and Revelation. Acts to Revelation. So that's all he reads. Because he was saying that once he reads that, he has understood the whole Bible, which is not really true. It's not really true. Because why was the Old Testament written? The Old Testament was written because it concealed New Testament truths. And why was the New Testament written? The New Testament was written to reveal Old Testament truths. How do you think Paul got the message of grace? Everything Paul quoted was from the old. I hope you didn't know that. When Paul was writing, there was no Matthew, there was no Mark, there was no Luke. It was only 39 books. And every message of new new Christian reality, grace, every message that he got, his reference was from all the 39 books. And he referred Timothy, all these scriptures, that's Genesis to Malachi, they are spirit-inspired. It's breathed by the inspiration of God. And it's for doctrine, reproof, correction, all those sort of things. 
That's why Paul's message is valid because he had a reference point. Even though when you read Galatians, you see how he got the new concept, the, the new Christian reality. The Bible lets us know that he was in Arabia in the desert. The Spirit of the Lord came to him. Everything he received was downloaded by the Spirit. Excuse me, but he had a reference. Everything was backed by the Bible. So uh, we can't cherry pick. You have to take the whole pie. Amen. Um, so number two, I've just explained. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New, the Old Testament revealed. So if you really want to be a good student of the Bible, don't, don't wage testamental wars. Don't do that. Bible is the Bible. Everything in the Bible is spirit-inspired, okay? Everything is spirit-inspired. So you have to take the whole pie if you want to understand the Bible. Don't just take fractions of it. You'll see some people too who just believe in the Old Testament. They don't believe in the New because they believe the New is contaminated, it's been compromised or doctored, as they say, and uh, they just flow with Hebrew and Aramaic. That, that, that one to you also cuts yourself off and, and you have a very limited understanding of the entirety of God, the entirety of uh, salvation. Amen. So we have to understand those things. So number one, you have to be mindful of the major covenants to understand the Bible. That's the old and the new. Number two, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So we need both. And number three, you need to read both testaments to get an accurate understanding of the Bible. You need to read both testaments to get an accurate understanding of the Bible. Else, you will just involve yourself in lazy Bible reading, which will make you fall in deception. So, anything that you read in the New, any virtue, any concept, you can trace its roots back from the Old Testament. So, for example, let any word. So, can someone mention any word? Just any word that comes into your head. Any virtue. Any virtue. Righteousness. Righteousness. You'll find it in the Old Testament. You'll find its roots in the Old Testament. So now, when you, when you see the word righteousness, try and trace its origins from the Old Testament so that you'll be able to get a fuller and a broader understanding of that word righteousness. It, it helps you to weigh it very well and then you are able to rightly divide the word of truth. So next week... Our teaching is going to be how to study the Bible. Now, we are looking at the reading parts, and then next week we will do the study parts. That's why it's called how to read and study the Bible. So, anything that you read in the New Testament, you will find its origins in the Old Testament. And you always have to look at it so that you'll be able to compare and contrast it very well, so that you're able to get a fuller picture. But if you are just going to look at it from just one testament your understanding of it will be very skewed. Amen. And, and like I said, it's dangerous to walk with half truth than to walk with no truth. Amen. So let's, 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 let's be mindful of that. Amen. Uh, number four, don't force understanding to a scripture. Give it time and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I've learned that a lot. I'm, I'm talking about a personal, a personal experience. Don't force understand to a scripture. When you read a scripture, it's not by force to understand it there and then. Don't force it. There was a time, the book of Leviticus was very, very, very hard for me to understand. It's very hard. I, I even read it, I start to sleep. Never understand. I'm like, what is all these things? Garments, wood dye, and this, ram. What's all this? You know, I never understood it. But now, when I read the book of Leviticus, I'm able to understand it very accurately. It's time. Just don't force understanding. Allow the Holy Spirit, who is the author of the scriptures, to speak to you. That's all. Don't force understanding to a scripture. You know, and in my opinion, this is just my opinion. Sometimes when I don't understand the scripture, I don't really ask anybody. 
I don't. I just give it time. I allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me. Then, when I feel like the Holy Spirit has spoken to me, I will ask a matured Christian just to confirm whether we are on the same tangent. That's what I normally do. So now, if I read and if I don't understand it, I'll not really ask a question. I'll just put it on the shelf. When I, when I feel like now I'm beginning to get much clarity, much revelation on the scripture, I have very mature people, people who have quite a good standing in the faith, who have understanding of the scripture that I can ask. And when I ask, I have my notes ready to see, okay, what I, I, I heard and what they are saying, whether they are in line. And almost 9 out of 10, it's, it's not 10 out of 10, almost 9 out of 10. It's always a tangent. We are always on the same page. So that's how. So take your time to um, um, allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you about scriptures. Don't force understanding. When you force understanding, you, you will get into error. You will get into error. I couldn't understand the book of Jeremiah. I remember like for 10 years straight, I'll try. I'm going to read the book of Jeremiah. I start chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4. I'll drop it. Then I'll start. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4. <laughs> I'll just drop it. Then I'll start. Like for 10 years straight. Like this year, I'm going to read the book of Jeremiah. I'll read it. 20 chapters, I'm done. I can't do it no more. I start, I start, I start. By the grace of God, now when I read the book of Jeremiah, it's amazing. I'm like, wow. How come some years ago, this book was so difficult and so dry to understand but now i seem to get much and i even enjoy the book now i enjoy the book now i can really even give a summary without opening the scriptures about the whole book of jeremiah now it was such a difficult scripture for me i could never get it i could read the commentary could read um a whole lot of um um commentators expertise on the book of jeremiah and I still had questions. Could it make sense? You know, but just allow the Holy Spirit, who is the author of the scriptures, to shine a light of understanding upon it. And once you feel you've gotten a bit of understanding, also try to check it with someone who has a good standing in the faith. Because let me tell you, wherever you are, there's someone above you. Wherever you are, someone above you. Always check. I always do that so that at least we can be on the same page so that I can know, oh, who was speaking to me? Was it the Spirit speaking to me or was it something else? Because the Holy Spirit, he welcomes testing. You understand? The Bible says, don't believe every spirit. Test every spirit. So sometimes, why did I get this revelation? How did I get this understanding? Okay, maybe it's the Spirit, but let me check it with someone who has quite a good standing in the faith, an elder and when I'm talking about an elder, I'm not talking about age. I'm, I'm an elder. I'm talking about someone matured in the faith. That's what I'm talking about. And check and see. Someone who you can trust. Amen. So I normally do that. That's my personal practice. Okay? That's my personal practice. So um, that's what I believe. Amen. Let me read First John chapter 2, verse 20 to 27. Why I said you should allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. So go with me to First John chapter 2. Verse 20 to 27. Now, this whole context of the scripture is talking about um, deceptions in the end time. But it has a universal application. All right. So there's also one thing that you have to understand when you are reading the Bible. There are some truths that's just contextual truth. So it, it only applies within the context. And there are certain truths too that is what I will call universal truth. Because even though it's true in the context, it's true everywhere. Do you, do you understand? So not, not everything is a truism. It, 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 because it might be true in the context, but when you lift it out of context, it doesn't cease to be true. A typical example is the Lord gives... And the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I, I hear the scripture a lot at funerals. It's correct in context when you read Job. Right? But universally speaking, it's not true. 
Because the Bible says that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. So it's not true. You understand? So it's true in context because Job was suffering, right? He had lost everything. And, and who even took the things? Was it God? I mean, when you read chapter 1, it gives you the overview of how Job had many losses. Lost 10 children, lost his business, lost everything. Was that God? No, it's not God. That was the devil. So why are you ascribing that loss to God? But who gave you the blessing? It was God, right? So it was true in the context because of what Job was going through at that time. But it's not true universally speaking. Universally speaking, the Lord doesn't give and he takes. What sort of father is he? Why will he give you a child? Then he will take the child. Then as a pastor, I will come and read this at your funeral to comfort you. The Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name. Why would the Lord take? So what is the essence of giving it to me in the first place if you are going to take it away? That's my question. I, I don't need it then. If that's how it is, then I don't need it. I don't need healing if you will give it to me and take it away. I don't need a child if you will give it to me and take it away. Because if you are telling me this is how I apply it, I, I don't get it. One, one time I asked the pastor, I said, why do we say that? He said, because it's the scripture. But I said, but it's wrong. He said, but Job said it. I said, yeah, but that's Job. But what does the Bible say? So I, I was asking him right there, why do we say that? Because I think we have to start to really question things than just saying things out of tradition. Why do we say that? How is this of comfort to a widow who has lost a husband? Why would the Lord give her a husband to marry? And why would the Lord take him away? I mean, and you give me useless uh, excuse like he is a flower. Come on, man. We should be serious. God doesn't have gardens and he doesn't need people to decorate all these bullshit stories we've been saying. Amen. First John chapter 2, let's read verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lies of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He also acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So right here, in context, John is talking about the deception of people saying Jesus is not the son of God. And John is saying that people who say that, they are the Antichrist. Now, John is saying that because you have the anointing, you will know all things. And what is all things here? Now, one of the things that you have to be careful when you read in the Bible is all. You have to be very careful of that word. All and every. Because sometimes it doesn't mean the whole pie. All here is in context. Right? So in context of you have the Holy Spirit who is going to teach you that Jesus is truly the Son of God. When you, when you have the Holy Spirit who is the anointing, you will not be susceptible to that deception. Therefore, let that abide in you in which you have from the beginning. If what you have from the beginning abides in you, you also abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. Now, there are some people too who have used this scripture to say, I don't need a teacher. Because I have the anointing. So you see, right here. So you really have to look at the context. What is the Holy Spirit going to teach you here? The Holy Spirit is going to teach you about the divinity of Christ so that you will not fall to, to the deception that Jesus is not the Son of God. So that's what he's really going to teach you. So right here, it's not saying that he's going to teach you the whole counsel of God's word, which you get in a local church. And that's why God has placed the fivefold ministry. So you see that context is king here when you are reading. So when you pick this thing out, it's not universally true. 
contextually it is true. God will teach you all things. And what is he going to teach you? He is going to teach you things concerning people who want to deceive you of the idea of Jesus is not the son of God. And he is the son of God. And that's what this scripture is saying. If I were to read, um, especially 2 John chapter 2. No, 2 John. is just 2 just John. The whole 2 John deals with that in total. Talking about deception, people who don't believe in Jesus coming in the flesh and all that. He deals more with that. But here he touches on it slightly. Right? So, the anointing that you receive here, which abides in you, will teach you about the divinity of Christ so that you will not fall into deception. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and it's not a lie, just as that taught you, you will abide in him. Amen. So the point that I want us to pick here is the Holy Spirit is a teacher. So he is the one that is going to teach you scriptures. So when you read a scripture and when you don't understand, give time, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. One of the places you really need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit is during your time of reading the Bible. So I don't know how many minutes you may have allotted, you know, to read your Bible. Maybe 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. That portion of time, please make sure you become very sensitive to the leading and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. He is the express author of the scriptures and he is the one that can breathe understanding and breathe life into the scriptures. Amen. My last point for today. So, number one, you have to be mindful of the major covenants to understand the Bible. That's the old and the new. That's the first point. Number two, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The new is the Old Testament revealed. Number three, you will need to read both Testaments to get an accurate understanding of the Bible. Number four, don't force understanding to a scripture. Don't. When you read a scripture and don't understand it, just let the scripture breathe. Don't force it. Because when you try and do that, you could really end up in error. And by the time you realize, you will start propagating uh, false things. Amen. And number five, this is very important. Take your time and be patient before coming to a conclusion. Okay. Someone said a PowerPoint would have been nice. Amen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For, forgive me. I, I felt lazy to do PowerPoints. I must be honest. You know, I, I don't mind doing it on Sunday, but... I'm sorry. Take your time and be patient before coming to a conclusion. All right? Take your time. Be patient before coming to a conclusion. Now, when I'm talking about patience here, I mean be prayerful. Okay? Approach your Bible reading with an attitude of prayerfulness. Be patient. Don't rush into conclusion. Amen. I've made that mistake before. I'm trying not to make it again. I have jumped into certain conclusions and that was not good, you know. And I've had to now be correcting myself, editing. You know, like even the first Peter, you know, the, the, the what do you call it, second Peter message we did on fruitfulness. It was an eye-opener for me. I must be honest. And you, know, you know how many messages I've preached from it? And let me tell you, when you're a preacher, look, don't be deceived by people saying amen and people dropping money on the... Look, people have done it before. One day I preached this second Peter message somewhere. The sort of money I had, I just didn't take it. I didn't take it. I should have taken it. The, the sort of money they dropped. They dropped money like crazy. I'm telling you. But it was error. Completely error. Complete. Everything was wrong. Now, when I sat there, when I read the thing in context... My jaws drop. I had to give myself permission to pick up my jaw. Yeah, that, that's, that's serious. Like, wow. Error. Lord should forgive me. Amen. That's what happened. So don't, don't jump into conclusion. Be very patient. Be prayerful. No, in fact, it really pained me that day. I felt, I felt very sad. I'm, I was thinking about, and it was a guest church. You know, it wasn't like I preached it at a local. I preached in a guest church. I was thinking, oh my God, this church, how, how will I be able? So I finally got to speak to the pastor. 
I spoke to him about this scripture, you know, and you know, he was like, oh, I was awful. It was powerful. It was powerful. I said, no, no, no. It was wrong. It was wrong. It was wrong. Listen to me carefully. It was wrong. Amen. But patience here means be prayerful. Now, there is one person I want us to adopt the posture of, and her name is called Anna. Okay? So go with me to Luke chapter 2. I'm done. That's my last scripture, and I'm done. Luke chapter 2. I think we can learn something from her. Luke chapter 2. You know, when you read Luke chapter 2 from um, verse 21 going, Jesus was circumcised by tradition. He was taken to the temple. Now, as he was taken to the temple, there were two important and interesting witnesses that you should know. One was called Simeon. Amen. The Bible lets us know that the Holy Spirit was upon him that he will not see death. Because he had to see the Lord, the, the consolation of Israel. And he came and he saw the Lord in the temple. Now, whilst there, there was another woman called Anna. So from verse 36, one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, she was of a great age, had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. Who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord who spoke to him of and spoke of him. I'm sorry. All those who look for redemption Jerusalem. I really like this story a lot. I don't know, this story really ministers to me. You know, Anna, she stayed in the temple fasting and praying. And I really believe this personal, okay. Personal, personal. I personally believe that one of the reasons that she was fasting was for the prophecy of the Messiah to come to pass. And that's why her spirit was able to pick it up. Even though she saw Jesus at eight, year, eight days old, just eight days old, she didn't know Jesus after the flesh. She knew Jesus after the spirit. Like, this is the redemption of Israel. See, waited, waited, fasting, praying, many years. Let's adopt that posture. Be patient before you come to a logical conclusion. Be, be patient, be prayerful, be prayerful. So when, when you read a scripture, spend time praying about it. Just spend time praying, spend time praying before you come to a logical conclusion. Okay, so let's adopt the posture of Anna. Amen. So that we will not be disseminating false teaching and false doctrine anyway. One of the things I pray is, oh Lord, please help me. I don't want to be a false teacher. Help me to be faithful to the integrity of scriptures. I don't mind if a thousand people are saying it and I'm the only person saying it. If, as far as it's in line with the word, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. That's, that's all that matters. I at this point, I just want to do your will. Well, that's all that matters to me. Everything else is gravy train for me. Amen. I'm done. Was any question? Okay, no question? Claire? We have two minutes on the clock, so... Okay, if there is no question, can someone, just one person, sum up what they've learned today? And then we close, we have two minutes on the clock. Who will be our summarizer tonight? What did you did you repeat that again, please, Steve? Who who who's who will summarize what they've learned tonight? Just in one minute. We have just one minute on the clock. 
Hey, church people, you are letting the time run. You don't want to, eh? Because I said that's one minute. You are just <laughs> you are behaving you are behaving like us now. Hmm, that's okay. After when they won the match, they just play delay tactics. Delay they are the best. They are the best. It's my team, so okay. Let me give it a shot. Okay. So, first of all, when, um, I think you mentioned that when, when we read the Bible, we should notice that, like in First Timothy chapter three verse six, the Bible says that it is inspired by the Spirit. And then you give us several examples of the Sadducees who were just intellectuals and they were um, lawyers in the in the scripture, lawyers of the law, and they knew the scripture intellectually, but they were not practicing it. And they, um, they were not looking into the scripture to really understand what the scripture was saying. They were just um, learning it by the head and not by the heart. They were not following the spirit of the letter, but they were just following the letter itself. And then he said, you gave us certain things that we should be mindful of when we are reading the scripture. Well, the first one is that we should, we should be mindful of the major covenants of the scripture. And then you mentioned that the Old Testament is... Um, the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And you again mentioned that anything that we read in the Old Testament, we can trace its root in. you? Anything we read in the New Testament, we can trace its root in the Old Testament. And then we shouldn't force ourselves to understand the Scripture bit, but we should allow the Holy Spirit to uh, bring the understanding to us. And I. We should be patient. So we use the word patient, which means that we should be prayerful when we want to understand the scripture. Yeah, Amen. that's 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 Amen. God bless you. Thank you. God willing, we meet on Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Enjoy the rest of your week. Love you guys. God bless you. May we be doers of the word. Amen. All right. Where is my friend? <laughs> He's watching too. <laughs> my politician. Where is my politician? <laughs>